in this episode, we talk about cancel culture, but during the specific examples of cancel culture, we do delve into mature and possibly upsetting and triggering content. Like we delve into sexual assault, rape, sexual misconduct, racism, homophobia, transphobia, and other forms of hate. So please be advised during this episode, if you or somebody you know is a victim of sexual assault, please call the National Sexual Assault Telephone Hotline. The number is 800-656-HOPE. Again, that number is 800-656-HOPE. Now that we've given that warning, please enjoy this episode of Let's Talk Media. Coming up on Let's Talk Media. There's a big uproar initially, like of cancellation for the person. But once they issue an apology and it's been kind of a week or two, people kind of just forget about it and it goes back to the norm. Now, but depending on the type of cancellation and what you did um, really affects, I think, how much it lasts. So obviously in the Harvey Weinstein case, um, unforgivable. Bill Cosby, unforgivable. You know, it's named the Roseanne show. Like that's a case where it's much harder for me to separate um, the creator from their work. Drake and Josh reflects that creepy part or alleged creepy part of Dan Schneider less. So it's kind of easier to detach. No matter your age, if you're posting racist, transphobic, homophobic tweets, um, you don't get you don't get a free pass at all. Um, like no matter what, there needs to be some kind of learning, some kind of change. Date of recording for 2020. Song credit: All the Things Lost by Robert Abraham. Welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk Media, the weekly podcast series in which me and fellow guests talk about the media industry. For episode 15, we're talking about cancel culture. And my guest for this week is Billy Strolekis. Hey, Billy, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. It's lovely to be here. Definitely beats the general swash of nothing um, that has filled my life this quarantine. So I'm looking forward to being here. So uh, my name is Billy Strelekis. I'm currently um, finishing up junior year here at Ithaca College, TVR major. Uh, Vedant and I both work on WICB News together. I do Morning Drive, so. Yeah, and Morning Drive, it's just where you deliver the news at 646, 746, and 846. What have you been doing during the quarantine? I see you have a Sonic the Hedgehog shirt. Have you been playing a lot of Sonic lately? A lot of video games? Definitely have been a pastime. I'm not sure if you've been into the new Animal Crossing, um, but that that's always a big one. Uh, and me and some of my friends have gotten into Toontown lately, so. Yeah, I don't have a Nintendo Switch, so I can't play Animal Crossing. And I was down here in Florida for spring break for only a week so i did not bring my ps4 and then we got we got the email saying hey because of covid19 you can't go back to your campus for the rest of the semester and so i've just been playing on my ps3 it's 14 years old now so it crashed the first couple of times i tried to start it wait oh my god is 
PS3 is 2006. Yo, oh, oh. Yeah. I and, feel old. Yeah, me too. And here's a cat. So I was playing Prince of Persia Trilogy Remastered, and it asked, do you have a 3D TV? Remember those? Yeah, I know. Now that you mentioned it, though, I, like, I, it was a deep down buried memory, but I do remember um, those TVs, so, damn. I was hoping that we would get back to our college on time so I could grab my PS4 and play The Last of Us Part Two whenever that comes out, but that game got delayed indefinitely because of the coronavirus. Yeah. So there's just nothing to look forward to during the summer in terms of TV shows, movies, or video games. No, yeah, it's just going to be... Well, it, it's going to be interesting because this means unless people push back the 2021 stuff, like that's going to be a super packed year because it's going to basically be the second half of this year on top of what was already coming out. So, Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. All right, so let's get started, shall we? Yeah, sure. So how would you define cancel culture? Yeah, so cancel culture is kind of interesting in that essentially I view it as sort of immediate backlash. Um, so obviously, you know, surprise, surprise, um, being a celebrity doesn't protect you from being an absolute idiot sometimes. Um, so typically I know whether, like I watch a lot of YouTube celebrities, so it kind of comes up often because you watch the creator specifically for their personality, but even in other cases, um, like J.K. Rowling, um, Harvey Weinstein, they either voice opinions or commit acts that are definitely um, contradict with the kind of popular held morals. And because of that, um, it leads to a rejection of not just them, but the complete culmination of their work. Um, so it's effectively a retaliation to um, what is perceived as justice um, by completely shutting off um, that author, their works, um, their standing in society. Um, it's kind of interesting because I would define it as being very short term. Like a lot of times it's very much a knee jerk reaction. Um, and I don't know, I feel like you see it kind of loosens up a lot um as it kind of goes on so what do you mean by what do you mean by loosens up over time so yeah i feel like the big thing is cancel culture has evolved to be this very spotlight focused thing like it's internet drama everybody focuses on it in about a week now but depending on the type of cancellation and what you did um really affects i think how much it lasts so obviously in the harvey weinstein case um unforgivable bill cosby unforgivable um and rightly so um those authors have been canceled um and people continue to not really support their works and not think about it but in a lot of other cases like jk rowling people haven't stopped being fans of harry potter people just don't really think about jk rowling they still you know, re-consume Harry Potter. Or I think a big example of this is um, the ever-famous 
discovered the like racist tweet found in high school um were often like there's a big uproar initially like of cancellation for the person but once they issue an apology and it's been kind of a week or two people kind of just forget about it and it goes back to the norm like um i feel like this happens a lot with youtubers like particularly i think john tron was known for being racist um the game girls they're pretty big apparently somebody showed a compilation of one of um the the people who made that up who was you know white saying the n-word like several times and it's interesting because there's a lot of i don't know in the second case um because it was a while ago um but i know definitely in the first case there's a lot of uproar but then it just kind of goes back to the status quo so yeah, I kind of remember a similar thing where I believe PewDiePie accidentally said the N-word during, yeah. during a live stream. Yeah, no, you're you're completely right. Um, and yeah, like that's a really interesting example because even though there was, you know, a lot of uproar for it at the time, what you see portraying is now is somebody may post the um, image of where like the stream where it happened as a joke um but that's really about it you know um as i'm sure you know i think it was two years ago that roseanne Barr got canceled because of tweets that she made about obama one of obama's staff members yeah roseanne yeah. was a show that aired until i believe the 90s and then it got revived 2017 and it was a huge hit but then it got canceled because of Roseanne's tweets, but then it got retooled as the Connors, I believe, without Roseanne Barr, they just killed off her character. Yeah. No, I I definitely remember reading about um that when it happened. And I feel like it encroaches on the interesting territory that is inevitable um when discussing cancel culture is how much of the author is reflected in the work they're doing because uh, the thing about the roseanne show is that you know it's named the roseanne show um so she's definitely a central figure into it so like i don't know it's like that's a case where it's much harder for me to separate um the creator from their work because you know, like the title suggests, it's her show. Like, she is starring front and center, so it's really hard not to think about that when you're watching the piece. Right. I had the opposite thing with a different show, actually, House of Cards. I was a huge mm -hmm. House of Cards fan. And when they removed Kevin Spacey for the right reasons, you know, the, the misconduct mm -hmm. allegations, yeah. um, I could still watch the show because, yeah, Kevin Spacey's character, Frank Underwood, was gone, but you still had the wife, uh, what was her name, Claire Underwood, and I feel like I was, I don't know how, but I was able to separate the actor as the character because for our seminar course, we had to watch the first, first season of House of Cards, and I believe this was a year, only a year mm. after he got fired. It's not called frank underwood the show it's called house of cards there are so many more characters so it wasn't that big of a blow to me that's how i kind of feel about minecraft because notch the creator of the game you know has become 
pretty notorious for having transphobic views. Um, definitely, definitely some outdated stances. But that's a situation too where, similar to House of Cards, like it continues under a leadership team that is not associated at all um, with the problem. So the fact that the property exists after after the issue completely foreign from it, I think does also help to serve a little distance between um, the problematic person and the work itself. Right. And do you have an opinion about the people who still enjoy these actors or actresses or creators works? And do you, what do you have an opinion about the people who say that you cannot morally enjoy their work anymore because of the allegations or the way that they've acted on social media or in person, allegedly. I would say I feel overall very conflicted on it because I kind of resonate with both sides because the important thing is that um, like when a person takes those kind of stances, it is important to actually have accountability for that and reiterate that those actions are not okay. Um, so the only really way to do that, to like make a lasting statement is, and it's amplified too with the nature of celebrities and all this, because normally when somebody does something stupid, you know, you just choose not to associate with them, but it's not a very public thing versus here. Um, your, your natural response would be, I don't want to associate with this. And it just so happens that, um, there's like a million people who are feeling that instead of maybe just one or two, but like, there's no really other way to make a statement without pulling support from the artist. Because again, like a lot of celebrities, it's an intermingle between their work and their personality. Like when you go to see your favorite musician in concert, part of the appeal is yes, they're a good musician, but part of it is people like Taylor Swift as a person, people like the message Taylor Swift is delivering. Um, so suddenly when that message becomes something very harmful, um, it becomes a lot trickier to support the artist because that message ultimately, their person is usually a part of what they're creating. But at the same time, people are complex. Um, people have multiple aspects to them. Uh, and that's what makes it tricky because even if the person that created a work is horrible, um, like I'll use JK Rowling. JK Rowling is um, you know, turf views, um, very transphobic. That's unacceptable. But, okay, so to be fair, I haven't read Harry Potter and apparently a second reread um, kind of sheds light to a little more transphobia than people picked up on initially. But that's not the main content of the books. The main content of the books is reflecting a more youth empowerment and kind of racism structures. Um, so that's kind of a message she's focusing on that's unrelated, like it's a different message, a different component of her. And because of that, like 
the negativity is not associated to the work itself. And I think this is really prevalent in music, like in particular, Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. Michael Jackson, um, yeah. Yeah, because again, like those allegations, um, it's such a messy case, you know, such a mixed legacy. But because, you know, the music is admittedly, like honestly, for pop, fairly deep, um, but it's still pop. And part of pop is that it's a very simplistic, um, general appealing message. So it's reflecting the part of Michael Jackson that is not problematic, which allows for disassociation. But at the same time, you know, it is still coming from somebody who has a part that's also maybe a little darker and like as much as I love the individual works, like I do agree. I think you can't just ignore the fact that somebody has done something unsightly. I was just watching this TV show in which, I'm not gonna say the name of the show obviously, but it was about this 12 year old and apparently the the creator of the show ended up being a pedophile. Like she made pedophilic oh, no. comments and stuff. And if you deeply analyze the characters that she interacts with, then it's very, very noticeable once you have that background about alleged pedophilia. And in that case, yeah. I do think it's very hard to disassociate the creator from their creation. Yeah, I agree. That kind of reminds me of um, Dan Schneider. Um, Dan Schneider, because, yeah, from Nickelodeon. Like, you know, yeah, you know, everybody grew up with um, iCarly, Victoria, stuff like that. Um, and like, you know, they're, they are fun shows. But once the revelation came out that Dan Schneider is, you know, kind of a creepy guy. Allegedly. Um, in, allegedly, yes. But in particular you start to really pick up on the fact that he, for example, displays the feet oh, of these actresses the like a lot. Um, yeah, that's something yes. that I just cannot overlook. Like when I first saw it, um, I just thought it was weird. I mean, I'm not judging people who have a foot fetish. I just thought it was weird, like just personally. And then once yeah. I had that background information, about these allegations, it was a diff. I couldn't watch it the same, if that makes any sense. Yeah, because it's more, it's not just a foot fetish there. A, it's using a TV show um, to try and satisfy your fetish, which is already weird because um, you're involving people in something to satisfy yourself when they are under the impression they're just trying to do something completely different. And also more importantly, there's the whole power relation um, because I believe they were still teenagers when they were doing those shows, right? I believe so. There were late teens, maybe early twenties, depending on the actors. But even if they just barely qualify as adults, uh, it's still very much creepy and an abuse of power. So Yeah, it says right here from a 2019 article that there was an entire mini webisode of Victorious about pouring ketchup on your feet. And again, oh, I, I, I don't know for sure if he has a fetish. He might have just been trying to be funny. We don't know. He might just have some sense of humor that doesn't 
bode well with us. We don't know for sure. We just want to put that out there. I can still watch Drake and Josh though because I think they had one or two foot jokes. But other than that, it was pretty detached, at least as how I saw it from yeah. these allegations about Dan Snyder. Yeah. Yeah, which, is, which again kind of touches upon Drake and Josh reflects that creepy part our alleged creepy part of Dan Schneider left. So it's kind of easier to detach. Kevin Hart made some homophobic tweets back in 2009, 10, 11-ish. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, how far back should we look at someone's social media posts that are not the right things to say to people? People do have the ability to grow and change. Um, and ideally, you know, when somebody would, by the time people were rediscovering those tweets, Kevin Hart had a, um, for lack of a better term, change of heart. Um, but at the at the same time, I think I, this, to be fair, this might just be my experience. But I think even the presence of those tweets themselves definitely do say something about you because you have to at least be in a state where at some level you believe in those things enough to post them. Um, and like, I don't know, you look at my friends' Twitters. Um, I've been on the platform, I believe since about 10th grade, uh, a lot of, the, of my other friends have been on it, um, uh, about a similar comparable amount of time. And, um, like, it's definitely not the norm for any of us to post like, insanely racist, homophobic, transphobic tweets on there. Um, so I like, I can get kind of some of the frustration with digging, you know, back that far. Um, again, I think people do deserve to be given the chance to change. Although I think to be fair, um, many times I don't get the right to decide, um, to what level a person has atoned for that um because i yeah i don't think any of my identities would correlate with me matching up to being um, one of the minorities who would be specifically targeted by um, remarks of this nature um but like the fact that they're there in the first place i think i think does say something i think it's not normal um and it, and it should be kind of noted and, um, and acknowledged. Yeah, and I think it also depends on whether you take responsibility for them when you, you're called out. Like, I believe Kevin Hart took responsibility and he stepped down as the host of, was it the Academy Awards? Yeah, but I, I, think, I think the big thing too is part of the challenge with these old tweets is um, like they're not really addressed at all by the actors. Um, which is twofold. A, it means good job. You're not tweeting racist things anymore. Uh, that's good to see. But it also means there's not really an acknowledgement of growth because there's this, I am not admitting I was in the wrong until I got called out on it. So it just makes overall seeing that atonement a lot harder to take as genuine because it's not really demonstrated that they grew. They just kind of stopped talking about it. Right. I, I agree with you that 
it depends on whether they have genuinely changed and this might not apply to every misaction that they've taken it again depends very much on what they did that was wrong or tweeted or posted something that was wrong it it's a case-by-case -case basis so we're not trying to generalize this to every single thing i just think we need to clarify yeah. that and so in terms of our age group how far back should employers or even the industry go with us because we got social media at much younger ages than these celebrities who tweeted or posted these things when they were grown adults for for the most parts in particular you're still kind of developing your own moral conscience at that point um so it, especially you know growing up in this internet age all it takes is for you to stumble on the wrong like website you know spend too much time on 4chan and you can be regurgitating some awful awful things maybe with the exception of ninth and tenth grade like high school's fair game um college is fair game because you're you're an adult. like a lot of these things yeah yeah not just that but you're not going to suddenly say become non-transphobic overnight um that's going to take time. Um, and especially like if you made some remark in sophomore year of college, like it's very much realistic that you have probably not taken the time to fully address that. So, yeah, you mentioned that high school is fair game, but then you also said ninth and 10th grade shouldn't be counted as so. Could you just elaborate on the high school part? Cause I think that's where people are a little bit conflicted. You're so in impressionable at a young age and I think especially that ninth and tenth grade age is really the turning point between when you're mainly just absorbing what other people give and when you're starting to take ownership of not just ownership but when you are starting to become aware enough of the world that you can think critically about the viewpoints you're being presented. So in what grade level, um, generally speaking, should be the cutoff? I mean, I, I am biased in my life experience, but I say I really became a fully formed individual at the end of ninth grade. That's when, like, I would say to a similar level um, to I am now. Um, I formed, you know, an understanding of the world, an understanding of myself. Um, so that's just where it's been for me. People develop differently. So that point is different for everyone as well. So I, like, I hail that point as being ninth grade. But for other people, they might have hit that in middle school. So I think it is hard to put that universal cutoff date. Right. And... I've just heard some stories about college grads getting fired because their employer found a very objectionable tweet or social media post that they made in college, high school, and very rarely even before that. But high school and college are definitely the ones that I've heard the most. In particular, I'm assuming this is a situation where they made, they made the tweet but it's not like those views ever really came up in the public sphere again. 
So because of that, it's very hard for an employer to say, um, yes, you have learned from this incident. We know you do not harbor these views now. Um, and if you can't, without absolute certainty, say that, um, then I agree. Like, you know, employers are typically seen as a reflection of your company. Um, you're hiring a whole person. And when you do that, you're accepting all parts of them. Um, so it makes complete sense to say, no, that's not acceptable. Um, we will not be tolerating that kind of view um, within this space. And going yeah. into the 2020s and beyond, that's just a concern that I can predict because, you know, you have these kids getting social media even younger than we were. Like we got social media around middle school and high school. And these kids are getting them in elementary school, possibly even sooner with TikTok and YouTube. So I'm not going to say that they're going to post homophobic or racist or transphobic things, but they're definitely going to post something that years later might get them in huge trouble, if you get what I mean. And so that's just a reason why I brought this up, because I feel like we grew up with social media but these upcoming kids were born with social media if that makes any sense yeah no i i think i agree we did it was at the very early stages but we did hit the social media scene when we were starting to develop that sense of self um and as you mentioned like this next generation is probably not going to have that it's a lot easier to voice strong opinions on the internet um, than, say, in real life. Um, so even if they're not posting, um, they're going to be exposed to a lot more extreme viewpoints um, as soon as they're growing up, and they're going to reflect that um, when they post. And you don't have to get into specifics, but have you made any social media posts from way 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 back that you went back recently and deleted them i i don't typically delete um things usually the only time i delete a tweet is because for some reason it's 20 2020 almost said 2019 there um but 2020 and they still haven't added an edit button um so i have to say it's a grammatical mistake when i catch it quick or i think there's been one or two cases where it wasn't outright offensive but it just that wasn't a funny tweet. Um, so if it flopped, why not delete it? Even if I don't necessarily agree with it now, uh, in particular, like I think a big example, you can still see these tweets um, up on my Twitter. They're not like um, outright hateful or um, like derogatory towards any specific people or groups, but I definitely used to channel my insecurities in relationships a lot more publicly um, and make a lot of tweets that would be like, grumble, grumble, love sucks, whatever. I, I am happy to say I've grown out of that mindset now, but I I still leave them up there because I think they were a, reflect, a reflection of me at some point. And to take them down would be a disservice. Right. I mean, I did a thing with facebook where i've had it for a super long time i think when i was a preteen or a teenager that's when i got facebook and so over the summer uh, last summer i went back and deleted about a decade or so worth of posts that 
just don't represent me as a person anymore because i'm i hope that people will recognize that i was a lot younger back then but i just wanted to be on the safe side and i did a similar thing with twitter after i got my twitter back um i went back and deleted or unretweeted tweets or retweets that might not be the most tasteful nothing like horrible but stuff like yeah. oh school sucks xy company sucks right nothing like outright hateful but just stuff that doesn't align with me as a person today in 2020 like compared to grown adults you talk about us and even the younger kids it's a lot trickier i think because like you said everybody develops at different ages and it's different for everybody no matter your age if you're posting racist transphobic homophobic tweets um you don't get you don't get a free pass at all um like no matter what there needs to be some kind of learning some kind of change from that viewpoint um and i think for the money is how do people go about that all right billy so do you have any final comments about anything we've discussed or anything we missed my word of advice Stay smart out there. Watch those early 2000s internet PSAs. Yeah, and I'd also recommend, like, especially if you're younger, then please think twice before you tweet or post something on social media. Please, I highly advise this because I have actual friends or people I know getting fired or getting in trouble because of stuff they posted from all different age ranges. So please think carefully before you tweet something or post something on social media. Yeah, I agree. Cause on a more serious note, like a lot of people like to complain about cancel culture. And I think it can have the effect of like completely blocking off um, people's ability to change. But at the same time, um, accountability is necessary. Um, you can't just, I don't think it's fair to just say, um, I'm sorry once and expect all backlash to go completely away. You need to make so up I, for it. Yeah, I, I do believe consequences are, are important when you take action such as that. Do you think cancel culture is hypocritical at times, like with the allegations made against current presidential nominee joe biden or do you think there is a double standard to this where women like Katy perry and most recently i think amber heard is being investigated for abuse allegations against johnny depp yeah well i, I think part of that is just um in particular in the realm of sexual assault allegations um there is a that kind of ties into the whole stigma of men don't get sexually assaulted. So that's not, in my opinion, just a celebrity issue. That's a reflection of rape culture in that um, there are a lot more roadblocks to, um, like men feel it's a lot harder for them to say they've been assaulted because in addition to all of the, you know, regular trials and tribulations anyone goes through, when making a, an allegation um there's also the fact that men encounter things like they're supposed to enjoy it um it's demasculating um because people view they're supposed to be strong enough to fend it off or such um 
So there's elements like that um, play into like Ren rape and then being um, not as discussed as much, um, kind of swept under the rug a little more. Um, so I think that's just a reflection of that. All right, Billy Strzelakis, thank you so much for agreeing to be on this episode of Let's Talk Media. No problem. It was a pleasure being here. See you all next time. Join us next week as we talk about how radio is not going anywhere. And my three guests will be Peter Champelli, Jay Bradley, and Noah Pantano. I know them through productions of news content on the radio station, DJ work on the radio stations, and scripted performances on a separate radio station. Not a radio station, but a radio organization for the scripted part. So join us next week right here on Let's Talk Media.